Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramis, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Last week, we were talking about the verse in John 14 that mentions greater works than these, and we showed how false teachers misapply this verse. And ultimately, you know, God is in control of the miracles that he does. And the goal is always that they point to Christ. Now, you do have some really good quotes in the article we mentioned. Listeners, that is CIC issue number 65, if you'd like to find that at the website, CICministry.org. But would you like to open us with that quote that we mentioned between recording here from your article? Well, the quote's about the promises of God. Okay, yes. And I said this, uh, this was in 2001. The disciples had these promises, a place in heaven, an ongoing spiritual relationship with Christ, access to him in prayer, the presence of the Holy Spirit, the continuance of his mighty works, that the Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth, John 16, 13, and his future return. Yes, and these are all, these are all things that God does for us well, these and are his promise pro- to us, yes. And the thing that we're disputing the most with the false teachers is that they're saying we'd be seeing greater miracles than Jesus ever did, which by the way is impossible. Yes. Because the greatest sign that ever happened, the definitive sign, the sign that if we refuse to believe already happened in history, the resurrection of Christ bodily, according to his promise. Okay. If we refuse to believe that one, what further ones are going to convince us? Right, none. No. So we've mentioned before that even the miracles that Jesus did did not mean that everybody who saw them were saved. Well, a lot of people were offended. Yes. And you can look at the I am sayings, for example, in the Gospel of John. There's quite a few of them. It's a claim of the deity of Christ. Right. I'm the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Yes. Or Abraham was. I am. And that should bring us all right back to Moses. Yeah, it reminds us that he promised a greater prophet. Yes. And John 6 shows that Moses gave them bread. They didn't believe him. Right. And they died in the wilderness in unbelief. Evermore give us this bread. Well, they don't. They didn't like it back then. They grumbled, by the way. I love the Bible. Yeah. It's amazing. You look up in the uh, Septuagint translation, the Old Testament, the word for grumbled is found again in John 6. They grumbled. Yeah. So the same thing happened both times. God gave them bread and they grumbled. Right. And boy, if you learn how uh, the Holy Spirit inspired the writers of scripture and the words and the message. It's fantastic. Right. It is. Something new. We need to understand what God did and what he said. 
And people grumble today because they're not happy that God didn't do what they wanted on their terms at their time as they want him to do. Yeah. And the false teacher said, well, it's because you didn't believe in your own words. Right. Or you didn't have enough faith. Or you didn't intercede right because you got to specifically tell God how to do what it is you need him to do. Yeah. Well, that's an awful lot to pile on to people if they're going to have prayer. Right. But that's how people think. Okay. So God loves us. We're children. He cares for us. And we go to the throne of grace and he takes care of us. So we have these promises. And so I made this other statement in this article, issue 65. God was going to accomplish his messianic promises, not just in spite of the fact that Jesus would be rejected and crucified, but because of and through his death, resurrection, and ascension. That's at the bottom of the third column in the PDF version. Okay, so God's going to accomplish his purposes. Why did he tell them that? Well, because there's going to be a great test. Right. That, you know, Jesus knew what was coming and was preparing the disciples, but scripture indicates they really didn't fully understand what was about to happen. Right. And fear and discouragement would happen before the joy ultimately came. Right. Okay. So we need to read, we need to read in context. One of the greatest things that's ever happened to help me since I became a Christian, were a couple of different teachers that I had, one in Bible college and another one particular in seminary 20 years later that said, here is the background, read. What does the author mean? Right. The Holy Spirit-inspired author determines the meaning, not the reader. Yeah. What's going on? So I started reading and my one teacher was very good at explaining these things. This was back in the early 70s. Okay. And when you find out what it really means, it's way more exciting than going to a Benny Hinn meeting. (laughs) Right. And so they grumbled. They grumbled. Yeah. Okay. But now the disciples are going to face a terrible trial. Yeah. And God was going to be with them and do greater greater works, not because they would be greater in Jesus and do greater miracles, but that God's purposes will go forward. Right. The rejection of Messiah, his death, then resurrection on the third day, his ascension into heaven doesn't mean the end. Right. He's going to prepare a place for them. He said that. What a precious promise, too. That's me- it was meant when he said it to encourage them, and it's meant to encourage us. Yes, but people, honestly, I've heard people mock that sort of thing. Yes, they do. And they mock people that have hope that when they die, they'll go to be with their Lord, Jesus Christ. Why That's would you meant mock to- that? Right. It's meant to comfort us. Where I am, there you'll be also. I'm going to prepare a place for you. Yeah. Return. 
He, our sins are forgiven. He's going to pour out the Holy Spirit. He who believes in me, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. Amen. I did that at a funeral Sunday afternoon. Yeah. And dear ones, do you really think that our hope is in some glorious, grandiose, powerful people who are going to do greater miracles than Jesus ever did? No, N no. And if the people wouldn't believe Jesus, neither will they believe us. Right. But if we preach the gospel, they may not believe it, but all the Father has given to him will come to him. Right. And the one who comes, he said, I'll never cast out. Yeah. Quote again from this article now on the next page. He's showing them that God's purposes to bring glory to his own name through the glorification of his son are at work in all of this. Let us now consider these greater works. Okay, so what's God's purpose? Glorify your name. Yes. Glory to the name. What is the name? Is the name just so I can know, well, it's this one, but not that one? No. Not Bill? No, the name in this context, in the Hebrew understanding of the name, designates the purpose, the character, and who this is. So yes. the name of God implies his nature. Right. And so God glorifies himself in sending the son. Yes. And God's purpose is to save out of the people all over the world who hate God, which is everybody dead in sin, and bring honor, honor to his name by bringing people to himself. Yes. And he's honored when he said, all that the Father has given me will come. Yeah. How's that going to happen? Through the preaching of the gospel. So last week, we read some passages out of John 14. I'm going to read John 14, 12 for us. And then let's talk about what these works are. So okay. in John 14, 12, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to the father. So what are these works? Well, what I said here is the works mentioned are supernatural works such as healing. The disciples had already been sent out to heal the sick, Matthew 10, 1. Okay. So the promise is that following Christ's ascension, that I'm quoting myself, these works would continue not only through the disciples, but through believers in general. Okay. Okay. The book of Acts shows that this happened. Yes. So these works God does to validate the truth of the gospel. Okay. And this, so when we look at Acts, especially the works and the, the miracles that were done through the apostles and the disciples, they were all used to preach Christ. They, they had a point and they all pointed to Christ. Now, when we look at some of the things that are, that are um, promoted as miracles or signs and wonders today, we look at like the apparitions of Mary or is it Fatima who supposedly the statue that cries 
tears of blood and all of these different things, we don't see those pointing to Christ. So, so a sign or a wonder that doesn't point to Christ, that is not what God is talking about here in John 14. No, the only way we know the difference is if the gospel is preached and Christ is proclaimed and the truth is laid out there. Right. And there's been many, many claims of miracles from uh, the Mormon claims, the Book of Mormon, Catholic claims, as you mentioned, Fatima. Yeah. Things. When I went to Israel, there's a rock they had to, they claimed, well, Jesus sat on this one. So it's getting wore down, this huge boulder. Yeah. Let people go there. Oh, you can go down into this place. No, it's not places. It's not honoring some organization that claims to be the church, which isn't the church. Okay. It's not honoring Latter day healers who claim to be some great person, but it's honoring Christ and the gospel. That's right. That's why I call that article Dishonoring God. So if you think about it, look through the book of Acts. When I was in Bible college, one of my teachers said every sermon ever or you know, speech made by someone in Acts that was right and from God, other than the other people that weren't Christian, mentioned the resurrection of Christ. Every yes. single one. Right. Okay. So why were these apostles who were there in John 14, when Jesus said these things, why, when you go through the book of Acts, did they preach the resurrection of Christ? That's, that is, that was the great commission. That was what they were sent out to do. And no. that's, what's going to bring people to repentance and saving faith. Right. No sign will be given to this perverse generation than a sign of the prophet Jonah. Yes. But at Pentecost, Peter said, this is that that was spoken of. Yeah. And then he mentioned Joel. And then um, I've been preaching on this in 1 Corinthians. And I looked at a bunch of the messages in Acts where they preached Christ. Peter preached to Gentiles. That's something he didn't want to do. But then he saw that God saved Gentiles. Yeah. God did a miracle to get Peter to even do it. Yeah, that's true. And then more things happened. But in the midst of all of these things that happened, some people are deceived. Some people are hardened. Some people believe. Simon the sorcerer wanted to buy the power to give the Holy Spirit. Right. And the sons of Sceva tried to do some things. The issue isn't what we're able to do. It's our commitment to the gospel and our faith in Christ and our hope in him. That's right. And, you know, we need to keep in mind that up to a certain point, Satan and his demons can do signs and wonders, too. There are all sorts of things that happen. And some people came along and said, well, the problem is we have this excluded middle. Okay, yeah. let's explain that. Well, some mission people uh, at Fuller decided that the problem with the evangelical church was that they didn't have enough interaction going on with the spiritual realm. Okay. And so the excluded mental meant, well, yeah, we believe that miracles happened then. We believe that Jesus is in heaven. 
we believe that we're down here, but we got to get the middle because the okay. pagans are the middle. And if we have the middle, which should be interaction with the world of the spirits, then things will happen. Well, then see Peter Wagner and others grabbed on that and started this apostles and prophets movement. It all came out of Fuller Seminary. Now others are saying, well, it all ceased. Right. Okay. And God did these things up until a certain point, but now he does not. And it really, I think, appears to people that there's really only the two options. You either have the whole new apostolic reformation, signs and wonders, that whole movement, or you have complete cessationism. And that's not what we're saying. No. And what we're saying is that God's in control of this. And we can't force him to do a miracle because we have enough faith and we say the right words. And so then he does a miracle on our behalf because we have enough faith in our own words. Okay. That's the word of faith, heresy. And I call it that. Yeah. I know people that believe that, but it's heresy. Yeah. And we're not saying that God somehow doesn't supernaturally act in history. He does. Right. What matters is that we believe the one sign that's definitive. The sign of Jonah. Yep. Three days. The, the resurrection. Right. And that Jesus did rise from the dead. Now, further, if we just stick with John, think of this one. What about Lazarus? Right. And that's a, and that's a picture of salvation for us. But he did raise Lazarus back to a mortal body, did he not? Yes, he did. And what happened after Lazarus, who was already stinking, he was a four-day person. Yeah. He had set in, and he came forth. Well, what happened? Well, they tried to find him to kill him again. <laughs> That's right. Okay. So you would think, well, wait a second. If signs are definitive and everybody that sees a sign is going to believe, why did the religious leaders want to kill Lazarus after Jesus raised him back to a mortal body? Right. Because they didn't believe. And, and right. more no. than that, their hearts were so hard. They wanted to make sure nobody else believed either. Exactly. And the point wasn't that, well, now we're going to raise the dead just like that happened to Lazarus. It didn't cause people around to believe back then. Yeah. The point of it is Jesus said, I am the resurrection and life. Yes. And if we don't believe that, I don't care how many Lazarus you had walking around. People are going to have some other reason for thinking whatever they think. Yeah. So. It's amazing. I love just reading. I, I love learning. I love seeing the analogies to the Old Testament, the claims, the promises, the things God has done, the verification that God has acted in history. The fact that as now excavation is possible in the Middle East, claiming that the things the Bible said never really happened are implausible. Right. And so now we have other things going on. These, the emergent. Well, 
nothing is important. It's just this spiritual evolution, this altered state of consciousness. Let's just deny objective reality. We can't know the meaning of words. Just go that way. Believe in Hegel and evolution. Others say, well, it doesn't matter. There's no point in believing in eternal life. It's good enough that we have some fun now and have a good time. Others say, no, we need more miracles and we're going to do them because we're the ones with faith. But that's not the point. Yeah. Okay, so it's just not what God is saying. It's not what scripture means. Let me just say this, I, I quote from the article. Another problem is that not even the biblical apostles, the ones chosen by Christ, did greater miracles than he performed. Right. Then I give an example. For example, in John 9, the healing of the blind man was considered a unique miracle. Then I cite John 9, 32. Since the beginning of time, it has never been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. Okay. According to the prophet Isaiah, by the way, this is showing that Jesus is predicted in the Old Testament. According to the prophet Isaiah, I'm saying when God would come, the blind would see. Quote, say to those with anxious heart, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Isaiah 35, 4 and 5. I'm continuing what I wrote here. The point of John 9 is that God did come in the person of Christ, opened the eyes of the blind, and more importantly, brought messianic salvation. Okay, so the great work of bringing messianic salvation, fulfilling promises, keeping promises given in the Old Testament, like in Isaiah, healing the blind, raising the dead, predicting his own death, burial, resurrection, sending forth the Spirit as he said he would. I will send another comforter, and I'll be with you forever. All of these promises. So the greater works or greater miracles that somehow are going to happen, and now people will believe, doesn't add up. It, it just doesn't make sense. Right. That's that's just not that's just not what was intended. So we've got a couple minutes left. You just want to give us kind of a quick wrap up of these last two episodes, the greater works than these. And next week we will get back to the dishonoring of God article. Right. When we take what God has said, what God has done, and what God has promised, and then create a vulnerable, contingent God who cannot do much of anything until we give him permission, I think that might be a wrap back to the old article, if I can pull out my notes here. And uh, let me pull where we started with this uh, last week, and this will get a segue back. Okay. Again, what we said. We are promised greater miracles than Jesus did, greater revival than the book of Acts, power and authority previously unknown in church history. All of this, while God is at risk and vulnerable and having somehow lost his sovereign control over his own creation. Wow. Does that honor God? Is that what the Bible's trying to tell us? God is vulnerable. If we don't do our job 
be stuck in the heavens until somehow we get our act together? Not at all. That's not the greater works. That's not what John uh, 12, John 14, John 6, John 9, John 5. And just go through John. It says that God is going to do what he said he was going to do. And he uses the means revealed in the Bible. And that God allows us to be part of this by grace, through faith, through a sovereign work, through the gospel, is something that brings honor and glory to him, and it should hum humble us. Amen. We have the honor and the blessing of preaching the gospel to others till the gospel goes out to the ends of the earth and the fullness of the Gentiles have come in. God knows when that will be. Christ will return and the times set by God. In the meantime, the great work that we get to do is preaching the gospel, which God will use to save his people, and he gets all the glory. Amen. That's exactly what we're saying. All right. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website, cicministry.org. While you're there, you can click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm with one spirit and one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramas. And Bob Dewey. We'll see you next week. <laughs>